Hey everybody, welcome to season 10. Uh, I just want to do a quick little announcement before we get into the full episode. Uh, we just have a something that we don't usually do, but we have a quick announcement for a little advertisement. It's our friend Carla's Cans. She has not paid us to do this, she's just a very good friend of ours. She is Carla's underscore Cans on Instagram. She does some amazing stuff. We love her. Anything from like, uh, let's see, onion and balsamic jam to strawberry lemon jam to all sorts of different preserves and such. Very, very good stuff. I just want to throw it out there because they're a very good friend of ours and you should go check it out. That's Carla's underscore cans on Instagram. She has the best cans on Instagram. All right. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Rumor Flies, everybody. I'm Ryan. I'm Josh. I'm Greg. And welcome to season 10. 10. 1 0. 10. 10. 10. 10. Yes, yes. We're back into the double digits now. Uh, sorry we've been so long. Uh, we've got a lot of cool news, though. Number one, we're back, so that's fun. Uh, this season is going to be a little bit more fun than last. I know we got pretty heavy last time, but I think this is going to be a, uh, this season's going to be a banger, but also we'd like to talk to you about some other special things that have happened. Greg, would you like to tell everybody what they've won? <laughs> <laughs> you won a brand new podcast. Yes, actually. So we have launched the educated mess network. Come join us. We have an awesome website, educatedmessnetwork.com. Features a bunch of awesome shows and more to come. Obviously, yours truly, Rumor Flies. We also have Side Characters, a wonderful show that looks about representation, diversity, and other social questions involving nerd culture, such as video games and anime. They're wonderful. You definitely got to check their show out. But yes, Educated Mess Network, it's live. Go to the website. It'll be in the description. Check out our shows. Maybe pitch a show yourself. Maybe give us some cool ideas. But yes, come say hi. You also forget, Greg, that we have a new podcast too called Everything But Murder. You're right. I'm being really dumb. I, I just wasn't even prepared to give this spiel. But anyway, yes, we have Everything But Murder, which is actually Ryan's brainchild. Very clever idea. It's a different angle on true crime. We focus less on murder and sexual assault and all this really, really heavy subjects and try to lean more towards lighter things like you know arson well you listen to any <laughs> true crime podcast and it's all about serial killers and like that's all fine and dandy but there's way more stuff out there that gets glossed over you know but i, I guess yeah. it's that old mantra like if it doesn't you know if it bleeds it leads or whatever and yeah I just we're looking more really like fun... scams and shit like we're yeah. looking at like scams and white collar crime and theft not that they are not serious, but they're obviously a very different tone. Oh, we're, so come check it out. We're going to talk about like some art theft eventually, and I'll tell you, I will have very little care for some of the victims. <laughs> so y'all have to y'all have to kind of roll me on this because again, I was not prepared for this. So I hope a lot of this made sense. But yes, Educated <laughs> Mess Network, get ready for everything but murder. Check out side characters as always. Please support River Flies. All that good stuff. We have front loaded the hell out of this. Yes, yes we have. All right, now that's been said. Today. Tonight, whenever you're listening to this, that's my out, Josh. I got you. Uh, we are going to be talking about superpowers. 
real-life superpowers, and if they're real or not. Now, do not confuse this with real-life superheroes. That's that's T. Krulos' wheelhouse. He's already done an interview, like a, a whole book about that. Real-life superheroes does not mean you have superpowers. We're talking about motherfucking superpowers. And it is going to be fun as hell, I think. Um, there's going to well, be one topic. Me, that, yeah, go ahead, Josh. Let me, let me stop you there just real quick. Um, I think you're kind of selling a short with being able to talk about um, superheroes because if you remember, we had a platform on Twitch where we were going to do just that with Jake Rockatansky. <laughs> and it, it immediately <laughs> got bombed. Yep, uh, that got... <laughs> is um, all that CIA, deep state, everybody else tried to shut us down and everything, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, thanks, Jake. We love you, but I still blame you partially for getting our uh, Twitch key uh, expired. Anyway, anybody listen to QAnon Anonymous, they need our help. So, um, so uh, would you guys mind I go first? Because I think that I have a very relevant topic right now. Get in there. So you do it, do it, do it to it. This is not necessarily what the whole subject is, but it definitely has implications today because we are talking about motherfucking magnetic people. Everybody, have you heard the news about this beautiful COVID vaccine? Several of them actually that have come out now <laughs> and are now not only conferring immunity to people, but it's also conferring a much easier way to find your car keys. I have not been able to walk into an office depot in months. <laughs> I, I'm i not allowed in the kitchen because I just get stuck to the refrigerator. Yeah, I, it's just how it works. That's not the vaccine, so, Josh. I, I, oh. to, to start this off, guys, I really want to say that <laughs> we had to talk about stuff like Bell's palsy. We had to talk about like, you know, the whole thing with the, the idea of the menstrual cycle going on. There's a lot of like almost legitimate things to talk about or at least worth investigating when it comes to COVID vaccines and potential side effects. And people have put looks into it, the, the blood clotting with all the other vaccines, uh, with the Johnson & Johnson specifically. So that was something worth investigating. And they released them again saying that, you know, you're probably fine. Um, most likely fine is a better way to say it. Uh, but I never thought we'd have to be talking about magnetism discourse. And it is just, oh, it's amazing. Do we want to talk about the videos that we've seen online? Um, this can be an open roundtable to it. Yeah, so there's been a bunch of viral videos uh, that I've seen, like on TikTok or Facebook. I really try not to go on Facebook because I hate that place, but um, it reminds me of people's birthdays. So uh, <laughs> that's about it. But so I've seen all these viral videos of people taking things like uh, fridge magnets. You know, they take it right off their fridge. Obviously, it's magnetic. It was stuck to the fridge. And then they'll put it on their arm and then they'll remove their hand and they'll go, that's the exact spot that I got my COVID shot in. And um, then I some other uh, similar thing where they take a, a some sort of magnet of, of a flat surface and, and stick it to wherever they, they say they got the shot. And uh, it just stands there. And then, you know, then it's the, well, how is this happening? You know, I, there's not supposed to be anything like this inside the shot why is this magnet sticking to me greg what have you seen 
Yeah, most of the stuff I've seen has to do with the vaccine, obviously. Um, yeah, y'all pretty much covered it. People say it makes it magnetic. Yeah. There's... Uh, some of the videos have all been ridiculous, but I don't want to spoil your topic, so I'll let you continue. There's <laughs> lots of videos that I've seen online, but the most, the one that stuck out to me most particularly was uh, in front of the Ohio legislature for a hearing. And it was uh, there was a hearing... And one of the speakers was none other than friend of the show, best friend of the show, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. We've talked about her because she was involved with America's Frontline Doctors, and she is one of the leading anti-vaxxers that is somehow still on Instagram. I think she got kicked off of Twitter recently, so good on her. But um, yeah, she was up there and said, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. It could, you saw the videos of like people going magnetic. Oh, also, uh, according to her, I should be dead next month, guys, because the vaccine is supposed to kill people within eight months of getting it. And I got my vaccine in August. So yeah, my time's coming. Conspiracy theorists learn the, the most important part of keeping up the ruse is not setting dates. Oh, they've moved the goalpost. They've moved but- the goalpost to a year. So um, I know, but you can't. It's the whole. You got to Nostradamus that shit. You got to be either way in the future or like this nebulous concept of what that time looks like. You understand? If it's way in the future, <laughs> it becomes less of a concern, and they can't pedal it as much. They only care, but they right. they live in the now. Okay, we can do conspiracy theory meta later. Actually, would be very interested in that. <laughs> but long story short, there was even a woman that was after Dr. Sherry Tenpenny who tried to show that she's magnetic by sticking a key to her chest. Now, Josh, when you said the whole thing of sticking it at the vaccination spot, that's what is the most reasonable thing by a very long stretch of that word. What I've also seen, though, is like this woman who tried to put a key on her neck, who tried to put a key on her chest, and I don't think that she was injected with the vaccine in either of those spots. The most I've famous seen this video. Yes. The most famous video that I've seen, and also she was struggling. It was kind of funny. The, another video that I've seen that stuck out in my head was one woman putting a coin to one shoulder and like uh, showing that it stuck to her and then putting it on the other shoulder. So apparently she got like, you know, double shot and realized she went magnetic and got it in different arms. And right, so right. that's already fallen apart. But there's another thing that I want to get with just the modern day. And then we'll get to the pre like, you know, COVID vaccine issue. Um have you noticed that there is a nice little lean that people do in these videos? Cause it seems like in these new, uh, magnetic COVID vaccine videos, the real side effect is bad posture. When people are putting the, uh, whatever piece of metal to them, they do this weird, dumb looking like posture. And really what they're doing is they're trying to lean enough so that the friction or the lack of friction rather on their skin doesn't make the coin or whatever other metal piece of shit falls off of them. It's mm-hmm. pretty blatantly obvious. I, I, like I said, I didn't think we'd ever be getting to this, but that's pretty much where we're at with the vaccines. However, magnetic people is not a new phenomenon. This has been going on for a while. I specifically remember this from Stan Lee's show, uh, Superhumans. There were, are several times where people have popped up and they could like stick a vast amount of things to them. That being anything from one guy in Ukraine who has a record of sticking 63 coins to himself a couple years ago. But also more recently, there was this Iranian man that wanted to beat that guy's record and proves that he is the most uh, magnetic person on Earth. And he stuck 85 spoons on himself. That's crazy, right? Whoa. Yeah. Not only that, he was able to put a cucumber on himself, a chili pepper, a tape recorder, everything he could find in his house. He had it stuck to him. And apparently that makes him magnetic. Um, I was... 
what's the can you what's the magnetic force of a cucumber? So actually, that's something I forgot to mention. <laughs> uh, another thing with the recent videos is I've seen people sticking pennies to themselves. Now, if any uh, avid movie watcher has seen Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you would that know that shit. there are only a couple of metals on the periodic table that are magnetic. Zinc and copper, which is, and also gold, which are some of the compositions of pennies, not gold, but zinc and copper, are not magnetic whatsoever. So I don't know if it's magnetism, guys. I really don't think it's magnetism that's sticking these coins to people. But anyway, this Iranian man, he also had stuck like a billion other things to him. And he actually might have a Guinness World Record right now for most things stuck to him. Not necessarily for being magnetic, but stuck to him. And also, he said this because he has telekinesis, and he can transfer that magnetic property to other people. We'll get to that. So usually I ask right at the top, what do you think the explanation for this is? But I'm going to ask it to you guys formally. What do you think the explanation for these magnetic people is whatsoever? I would venture to guess that it's some sort of, I don't want to say illusion because like, I don't... that's not what I think of when I think of an illusion, but something is operating behind the scenes to make things stick to them, whether it be, you know, I'm not saying that they're putting glue all over their body, but it could just be something as simple as like sweat um, causing things to just bind to the sweat of uh, or the water on your on your body and it'll stick to you or something like that or. Um, or some sort of other suction uh, type mechanic that would allow things to stick to you. I, I, there, there's no fiber of my being where I believe that these people are just straight up magnetic. That just that doesn't make sense to me. Greg, anything you want to add in? Well, I feel like we haven't really asked the core question for us to be able to really assess the validity of these claims. Um, fucking magnets. Mm, how do they how work? Do they work? I could go into that explanation, but I'm not going to. All right. I know. I just couldn't resist. We'll, we'll, we'll let ICP I know, I know. stay I know. ignorant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Honest, same as earlier. I'll kind of like have this all covered. Nothing. I really wouldn't contribute anything new. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm serious. That's I'm just like, I'm like, yep, yep. Just nodding. It's, it's like, what else, me. what else you want me to say? Like, what, what else can I say that hasn't been said? Like, this, this, it's bullshit. So here's what I'm going to go with. Um, I'm very willing to bet that people that live in a cold, dry climate are much less magnetic than people that live around an equatorial place like ours. Humidity. It's not only the humidity, it's just people fucking sweating most of the time. That's yeah. one of the that's one of the explanations, as you said. Just people being generally sticky. You know, like when you're going to run or something, it's hard to even peel off your shirt down in the middle of the summer, or even just walking around down here, or even thinking about going outside, you start getting sweaty. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's a very reasonable. Like right now, my yep, my back's sweaty at the moment just from being in uh, my room without an AC on. And I'm pretty sure I could stick. You know, I'm gonna try to stick a coin to myself. Let's see this adapter or whatever. Wonderful podcast. Yeah, I, I was you love say, the this audio. Is great, great audio. <laughs> oh, it's sticking. If I lean a little bit, oh, oh, it's sticking. It's sticking. Okay, yeah. So it works um, in that sense. So illusion, yes, only because you're they're fucking leaning like dum dums. But also those people that are holding those crazy records, like and being able to stick all sorts of crazy stuff to them, that's explained by another 
form, uh, like function of the human body. And this is according to sciencebasedlife.com. All mammals have glands that secrete some oily or waxy stuff called sebum. Some people may secrete a lot of sebum, which might uh, let them stick things to their skin as long as they don't wash themselves. So take a shower, sweaty and sticky and sebum-y person. It's probably these people have a lot of um, a lot more expression of these sebum glands that uh, make them waxy, and you can stick obviously metal to. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, an idea of it that could give a good um, reference. Uh, yeah, so the thing that I can think of that I, maybe not everybody can relate to is um, what do you call it? Uh, the the boards that you surf not surfboards. Uh, Talk about skimboards. Skimboards, yes. Uh, if you ever went to like Alvin's Island or something in Florida, they have something God, called Alvin's Island. They have I something called sex wax. Yeah, right. There's something called sex wax, and it's, it has nothing to do with sex, or at least I hope not, because it is the most friction filled thing on earth. And you, I uh, the, the tagline is the best lube for your wood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. Um, yeah, no, it is. It's, 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 I remember I have my skimboard probably at my parents' house. But anyway, you would uh, it, for skimboarding, you go along the surface like the tide comes in on the sand. You can skim across it, but sometimes you would slip off. So you use sex wax and rub down the dry board with that sex wax. Once your feet stick to it or anything else, they're staying planted there for a good bit. Sebum isn't that much different. Um, so and think about like you know uh, the oil glands and like your nose or something. Like we are waxy people. It just happens. So. Early. That's pretty much the situation. It's very oily people being able to like have waxiness that sticks objects to them. And my favorite debunking of this was from none other than the legend and one of my personal favorites, the amazing James Randi. He'll he, be coming uh, up. I, and yes, I know he's called the amazing Randy. Okay. There's a video of him in Japan at a game show. Uh, and there is a man that is supposedly just as like magnetic as uh, as the Dickens and he was stuck like a giant mirror to his chest and of course he's doing the lean and stuff James Randi used his ultimate bullshit weapon that has worked for everything from a telekinetic person to one of these uh, magnetic people and that is talcum powder first the participant was allowed to walk up and do their whole demonstration and then James Randi decided to go up and say, all right, here's this talcum powder. It has no like electrical properties. It has no um, psychic properties as far as I know. Let's go ahead and just rub this on your chest. And then for some reason, they made James Randi brush talcum powder on the man's chest when he could have easily done it himself. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, <okay. laughs> uh, he, of course, he struggled so hard to keep a clothes iron on him. We're going to I think I want to like post this picture on Twitter of just you know that you fucked up when you're going to show your superpower to somebody and James Randi is standing next to you. You know your career is about to be ruined. But anyway, long story short is that it didn't work at all. If any of these people, there needs to be a talcum powder challenge, I think, on TikTok where people do the magnetic thing and then they put talcum powder on themselves and then they do it well, again. Well, wait, wait, wait. I was I was going to wait till the end to talk about this because I was going to bring up talcum powder, um, which is pretty much all intents and purposes. It's baby powder, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, so there was this guy who uh, made a video of a magnet sticking to him. Um, and, and oh, I, did you send this to the group? I can't remember. Somebody sent me this. I, I might have. I, I think it know. was you. 
So he, uh, he, he, in a previous video, he stuck a magnet to his arm and then he comes back into his credit. He says, look, I made a, a video previously. And he said, somebody said to put this baby powder on me beforehand and then watch that, you know, if I'm truly, you know, have a microchip or a magnetic or whatever it is from the vaccine, um, this will prove, you know, how, how much it sticks to me. And so he puts the baby powder on his arm you know, he rolled up his sleeve, put the baby powder on his arm. Then he starts moving the magnet around where he thought the shot was and he's moving it moving it and it's just not sticking so he's moving around for a couple more seconds and then it just falls off and then he just stops and he looks at the camera and he says i would like to issue an apology to everybody i am so (laughs) sorry um i was clearly wrong and it was great because this man had this belief and then decided to you know be open to other people saying hey look well if this is true let's actually do some science with this let's remove anything that could you know be an adhesive to you so you put some talcum powder on you to remove any any kind of oils or or sweat or anything that would allow that that magnet to stick to you and then it will prove how much magnetism there actually is how much of a, a magnetic force there is with this alleged microchip that you you think or you're proving to have and when it didn't work his his natural inclination was, Hey man, I was wrong. I'm sorry. So hats off to that dude. Yeah. I I mean, we need more of that. We need people that can accept those things. If you have a truly strong belief that, um, you know, to be true in your heart of hearts, you should have no problem with subjecting it to a little bit of critical analysis. Uh, but lastly, the last thing I forgot to mention is all these people that are doing the magnetic bullshit with the vaccine and like putting it on different places on their body and it's sticking. Why isn't it sticking to their hands? Are your hands not magnetic? <laughs> Shouldn't you it's be not. wiping out every like uh, cell phone or VHS tape that you go around? Well, I guess there aren't too many VHS tapes anymore. But still, regardless. <laughs> um, so that's magnetism for y'all, okay? Now, Josh, would you like to continue? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so yes. My, my, yes, my first topic I'll be covering is uh, something that we have affectionately named Mama Hulking. And um, do y'all want to expand on what Mama Hulking is? Anybody? I think Greg's better at the description for this than me. I mean, I think everybody already has it in their head just from hearing that, hopefully. But go ahead, Greg. Yeah, so basically it's the idea that the scenario usually given is a car flips and a mother's child is trapped inside of the car or pinned under the car or in some way is just trapped by the car. And the mother is able to summon the strength through her love and rage and, you know, just adrenaline to actually lift the car and free the child. Um, that is usually the version I've heard. Uh, I don't know about y'all. Yeah, yeah that, so that's pretty, that, it, pretty much That's it. the interpretation that I have. I would broadly more expand it to um, like high adrenaline situations. It's not just like you have to be a mother for this to happen. It's just a very dire situation where you need to get it done and you need superhuman powers to do it. And somehow your body is able to muster up some sort of extra little bit to actually lift a car. You know, it it could be called daddy hulking, but I like mama hulking a little bit more for some reason. No, for, I absolutely agree. And, uh, one thing, that um, I think is it's really interesting about this is just the depiction of that maternal instinct as being like so powerful. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's I think that's more like really the like archetype it. of it. It's like it's a mom getting that strength because I guess in the in the I guess more traditionally normative view of things, it's like it's more impressive for a mother instead of the father to have done the extremely strengthful feat or something like that. You know, I don't yeah. necessarily agree yeah. with it, but you know, you can see how people can see that. 
Right. And I guess I guess when I said that, I didn't realize that it was that playing off that trope. But like I saw it as uh, like that maternal instinct is so strong that a mother would do anything she could for her kid. But yeah, so these types of stories have appeared all over the Internet in some fashion since, I mean, pretty much before people started reading the internet, you know? And yeah. I was going to say, I, that dates back to like grammar school. Uh, this, I mean, this is, I'm sure even before that, these oldest, I, I, I mean, just like for me personally, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just school, literally schoolyard rumor. So yeah. So basically it's some tragic or unfortunate event happens. Like pretty much like Greg says, like a, a car flips over or a house catches fire with like somebody trapped inside of it or, or somebody's just trapped under something, you know, it's some really extensive, uh, precarious, like unfortunate situation. Um, and then in comes super mom who manages to lift the car or run into the burning building to save her babies. And then, you know, everybody escapes and everything's good. It's a feel good story, right? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to you know, look down upon that or say but, there's um, like a, a sovereign citizen in like Arkansas or something that sees a car pass along like the perimeter of his property. So he runs to his gun safe and he forgets the combination. It's fine. He gets his like super strength and just opens the safe by pulling hard enough. Just, just breaking the safe in two. Just, just there's a whole bunch of different situations here. I it's easily confused. I get it. Thanks for the clarification, Ryan, but uh, I don't want to just, Sound like I'm taking this lightly, but like there, there, so there are like many real events and stories to back this up that something like this does happen in the real world. Like this is tangible, actual uh, things, events, you know, occurrences that do happen. So uh, the example I'm going to use is that there's this uh, this woman, Miss Angela Cavallo of Lawrenceville, Georgia, uh, and they called her. She was written uh, about in the paper um, as being a, a real life superhero. Well, her son, Tony, was working on the suspension of his 1964 Chevy Impala when the car suddenly slipped off uh, the jack and pinned him. Oh, God, that's like a nightmare. And the wheel well. Yeah. Well, you know, Greg, I'm glad you said that, because let me take this opportunity to do two things before we start breaking all this down. One, do yourself a favor, spend the extra money and go get a hand jack for your vehicle. The scissor jacks that typically come with cars are known for exactly doing this, falling. And it causes all kinds of problems and hurt people. Uh, it, It happens all the time. So go spend the extra money. You can go to Walmart and get you like a little hand jack. They're like 20, 30 bucks. They're not expensive. So the second bit of advice is uh, to take the tire that if you're changing a tire and you have to jack the car up after you take the tire off, slip it under behind the wheel and the wheel well. So that way, if it falls, it lands on the tire and not on you. And don't ever put yourself directly underneath the tire, the wheel well, like under where the tire should be. That's just a bad time. So um, I, I wanted to take that moment to to talk about that PSA because it's happened to me. I had a car on a Jack changing a spare tire and it fell. And I luckily was not in a position to where it couldn't fall on me. And uh, my car was sitting on its axle for like 30 minutes when I went to go buy another Jack. So, you know, anyway, learn from Josh's mistakes. Yeah. Thank you. Exactly. PSA over (laughs) more of that story at 11 tonight. So Angela ran outside to see her son, Tony just completely knocked out. KTFO'd and trapped under the car. She screamed for help to her neighbor, but there was just nobody readily there to help her. So she literally took matters into her own hands. She lifted the car high enough to replace the jack and pull Tony out from underneath it. And to give you some context... Hold uh, up. Are you telling me she got jacked up? Oh. Uh, 
Oh, Look at you. That is pretty good, Ryan. Well done. Um, so this was an actual, like, real Chevy Impala, and that car weighed about 3,500 pounds. And this woman Meh. managed to, yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess some sick gains. All right. Uh, no, but she managed <laughs> to lift it up completely. This is why you don't skip leg day, folks. Yeah, right. And uh, and 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 save her son. So, like I said, there are countless stories of uh, similar examples of things like this happening. But this isn't the work of like She-Hulk or channeling your inner Wonder Woman or anything like that. And this is all possible because of a hormone that we have called adrenaline. And this is where things get kind of, well, wonky. So, like, we can't recreate adrenaline in a lab setting in this manner. So, what that means is, is that th- this power of adrenaline isn't actually recognized by science. So, just like you'll never see a drug is 100% safe, approved for pregnant mothers to take, uh, you'll see this uh, for the same reason. It's just unethical to create this type of scenario. It's unethical to test drugs on pregnant women, right? So- you know, I think the important part is not the adrenaline itself. I think it's the byproduct of adrenaline. Um, y- you guys have heard of this thing. It's called a- adrenochrome. So we're going <laughs> oh, to... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. I- okay, we're going to get our, our podcast keys taken away too. <laughs> <dear God. laughs> oh, NSA, man. if you're listening. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, so yeah, so there's this matter of creating a controlled situation with adrenaline being involved and it's just, it's just never going to happen. Right. So, well then the question becomes is how does adrenaline work? Well, there's this little part of our brain called the hypothalamus that kicks in and that controls and maintains the homeostasis inside of us, which basically means it controls our body being at an equilibrium. So this is the ability to maintain a stable physiological balance and um, things like our fight or flight response, right? So the hypothalamus has a direct connection to the adrenal medulla, which is the center of our adrenal glands, which releases the hormone um, adrenaline or epinephrine. So saying the word epinephrine, <laughs> I want to say, again, shout out Google for allowing me to practice that word and nail it by reciting it back to them. So Hey, shout out ta- EpiPens. Fuck you, Martin Screlly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, shout out, shout out like the products, not the delivery system. Right. <clears throat> um, but, you know, speaking of this microchip, maybe I won't have to like be around a computer to be able to say words. I can just learn how to pronounce it with my own 5G and like do it all my own. We'll see. They beam it right in, dog. Right? I mean, what else is the point of having this COVID vaccine? So uh, <laughs> it's it's all fine and dandy. Um, but like what actually causes people to have this superhuman strength with all this adrenaline? And just like simply put it as a relatable way to people understand it. It's kind of like another myth that we've covered on the show about the brain. So like some people say that we tend to only use 10% of our brains. Like that's what they actually think. And we've covered that before. Please go check whatever season, whatever episode that is, because I don't remember. So, um, well, maybe we actually only use a small part of our muscles capabilities. So when adrenaline is circulating through our bodies, blood is shunted away from our digestive system and into our muscles because, well, who's worried about eating when your child is trapped under a car, right? When you have some physical, like traumatizing event like that, where you you were trying to take action. Your body's not worried about, you know, 
eating tacos at two o'clock or anything like that. But what this means is because there's more blood flow away from our digestive system, that means more oxygen is now getting to our muscles. And now we also have this excess form of energy called glucose beyond the normal levels. So rounding all of this out, it's absolutely possible for things like this to happen at any point. But I also want to caution people that it's not something that will be rather frequent, or at least it shouldn't be because you won't make it very long. Our bodies aren't made to live in this type of state of, of high stress. They would just simply shut down and we would die. Like in these moments, this, this, this place of hyper, hyper arousal, it, it wears you down. I mean, you got to think it, it, it messes with your immune system, which makes you much more vulnerable to things like heart problems and infection and illness. So it's not like you could ever live in that type of state of having this superhuman strength or these superhuman abilities. And Josh, the- I'm sitting here laughing right now because you pretty much have laid all the railroad for me. And all I got to do is pull into the station for my next topic. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's um, actually really cool. So, man, I'm, I'm glad I did something right. But, but uh, I also, well, there's one other thing I, w- I want to mention, though, is that there's also some ramifications of this is that while this might be the best day of your life because you saved your child or saved someone and it's really awesome. The next day might be one of the worst days of your life because now your body is dealing with the ramifications of lifting a 3,500 pound car um, and and handling that high level of stress. So you probably felt like you got hit by said car. So you're saying pretty much our body kind of has like a quick little reserve of like natural pre-workout inside of us in case we really need to use it. Yeah, pretty much like this, like, I mean, you have these adrenaline junkies and stuff, but like we have this ability that kicks, that just kicks in when we need it. And like, I'll compare it to that flight or fight response where you have this like extraordinary ability, but it's not something that you can rely on all the time. It just, it's not, it's not physically possible. Yeah. So long story short, it's possible depending on, I mean, I would have been nice to have heard how not nice, I guess, but how that woman (laughs) felt the next day after lifting a 3,500 pound car. Probably not great. Mm. Taking a guess. Yeah. But I mean, so true. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely true. Um, and, and the other thing too, uh, just, just a little tidbit that I'm sure both of you, maybe both of you knew, I don't, I found this out. Um, but in May of 1962, Jack Kirby claims that a woman lifted a car off of her baby, which is what inspired him to create the Hulk. Wait, so Mama Hulking was, okay, I, I, I had to have heard that at some point in my life, and that was my subconscious lizard brain registering that when I wrote Mama Hulking as a joke on the topic. <clears throat> I love it. Okay. That, there's, okay. You'll love to see it. You won't you like me when I'm scared it. for my son. <laughs> Uh, so that's that is is Mama Hulking Greg. Why don't you let us in some little into your topic, some little insight into your world? Sure. So this one is less um, can people do a thing and more about a kind of superhero resistance story. I guess that's not even the word for it. Let me try that again. It's more of just a insane story that I was just curious if it was even true and it kind of fell under these parameters. So this one's a little looser interpretation, but I, I how think, many of y'all I have think, heard? I think the way oh. you can interpret this one is kind of an a unbreakable situation. Yeah, I'm, thank you. That's a good one to fish. I couldn't really fish for a comparison. I was like, not Superman, not, you know. But yeah, it's kind of like an unbreakable situation. Um, 
have y'all ever heard this story or some variation of it where um, a kid was in an airplane? I usually heard a girl um, and the plane either like blew up or fell apart or, you know, whatever. And she actually fell out of the plane um, and survived with no parachute. Yes. I've heard like two different variations. Have you, yeah. Have y'all heard some variation of that? I've or, heard yeah. like one from like a girl. I've heard like uh, one woman that survived a plane crash and that way like the parachute failed and she survived. I'm not talking about the goddamn King of the Hill episode. Okay. And also um, <laughs> like a, a fighter pilot that had to eject and got, got caught in a rain cloud and bounced up and down for like uh, two hours or something and landed and survived. Like I've heard several different stories of people falling from very high heights and still living. But yes, I, uh, I think I've heard one a variation of like a small girl survive. I actually was 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 uh saw a video the other day about what to do if you jump out of a plane with a parachute and your parachute fails. And it kind of falls under this, so I'm real curious to see where you go with this, Greg, because like this was like a step by step of okay, so this is what you do and and like I, I don't want to get too far into it because I want to see what, where you go with this, but it's interesting. So I'm curious to see where, where you're going to take this. So yeah, uh, bets. Do y'all think that's a true story or not that someone fell from a plane and survived, just hit the ground and survived? Yes. <sighs> sure. Uh, I'll go I think with it's yes. True. Cool. Um, it is absolutely true. Um, there is a woman named Julianne Kopecky. Kopecky is K O E. P-C-K-E. One of these days, um, we will have an episode where we pronounce everything perfectly and don't even have to think about well, how to pronounce it. I know, right? Um, that's but she's what the microchip now, is for. That's what the chip is for. Um, she's known as Julianne Diller. Uh, her She was married. She was born October 10th, 1954. She was born in Lima, Peru to German parents. All of this setup is relevant, believe it or not. Um, her parents worked at the Museum of Natural History in Lima. Ding. Her dad was a biologist. Hmm? Ryan and I both said ding at the same time. <laughs> nice. We made dad a we're a back reference. We managed to land a we're back reference. Okay, fun. All right, let's go. They worked at the Museum of Natural History in Lima. Her ding. dad was a biologist and her mom was an ornithologist. Uh, ornithologist means you like birds and shit. So <clears throat> when she was 14, she moved... Uh, with her parents to Panguana, a research station in the Amazon rainforest. Um, it was here that she learned survival techniques, in particular what was and wasn't actually dangerous about the Amazon. So she was basically homeschooled uh, when she was about 14 and all this stuff. Now, apparently this whole field education and survival stuff, the government wasn't liking it. So she was required to return to the Deutsche School Alexander von Humboldt Lima, which is a German international school in Lima, um, and again, this is all important to the story. When she was to graduate around 18 years old, she wanted to be there in person. So she convinced her mom to take her. Her father warned against them flying with, I'm going to get this right. Lina, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> uh, linea, lineamente Areas Nacionales uh, SA. So Lanza, it's the, it's the National Airline of South America. Anyway, her dad advised against them flying with this airline. They had a really bad track record, but it was the only airline left with a flight to make it in time. So on December 24th, they boarded Lanza Flight 508. While in the air, the plane was struck by lightning and Ooh. just broke up midair. Whoa. So they were two miles in the air, 3.2 kilometers, um, for people who don't speak freedom. <laughs> now, here's what happened. 
Julianne was strapped in her seat, which promptly crashed to the earth with her in it. She survived and was left with a broken collarbone, some serious cuts and gashes on her left leg and her right arm. Her right eye was also swollen shut. So she looked around for her mom after she crashed, but unfortunately was not able to find her. So she rooted through the crash and found candy and other snacks. And this is when the survival instinct started kicking in. She found the nearest body of water and followed it downstream, hoping to find civilization. Um, it took her 10 days of wandering through the Amazon forest. Whoa. And she found an unattended boat. Um, now, this part is not for the squeamish. She actually took gasoline from the boat and used it to clean the maggots off of her. Oh. <laughs> yep. Um, she waited for people to return because there was no one there. And the next morning, some local fishermen took her to a nearby village. The following day, a local pilot flew her to a hospital in Pucalpa. Um, it's in eastern Peru. Uh, where she was united with her father. She was the sole survivor and has published a book as well as being the subject of a documentary and of low-budget Italian film. Uh, she was awarded in 2019 by the Peruvian government the Order of Merit for Distinguished Services in the Degree Grand Officer. So, there's a lot of speculation about her crash and why she would have survived. Um, what are some ideas and theories y'all might have about what might have given her a better shot? So there's one part of this where I've heard about people and it may be some iteration of the same story where people were laying down in the seats and like double buckling themselves in um, and the seat got ripped out and they like so they were just strapped in the entire time in their seat and they survived because the seat hit the ground. That's one thing that I remember hearing. Um, the other thing uh I would. That must be absolutely terrifying to be double buckled to a goddamn oh airplane God. seat falling. I, that sounds like a, a just an, like a actual nightmare. Like I feel like I would have had that nightmare at some point. I, that is awful. And the other thing would be is not landing in water. So you you aim for like, oh man, something like snow or trees or or something that will help break your fall, except the ground. If that makes, I, I hope I'm making that clear. Sure. Yeah. Better way to survive. Oof. How did she land? Well, I mean, it, without any sort of situation. I mean, if you could have taken the flotation vest with you and landed on it, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, that's clever. I didn't even think. Of, I didn't think of that. I mean, I mean, like, how much would it really matter? But like, you're just thinking of cushion. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> if I'm falling out of a plane, I'm not expecting to survive. <laughs> right. So the speculation, the the the. The biggest theories, because they don't know, obviously, she clearly passed out when she hit. Um, one is that the seat she was in not only protected her on impact, but provided drag. Um, her seat also still had the other seats from her row attached to it. Um, so this would have made a lot of drag, you know, and it would function essentially as a really shitty parachute. Um, there may have also been a substantial thunderstorm updraft because of the bad weather. So that might have helped reduce the drag. That might have contributed to the drag as well. Also, the thick foliage of the Amazon may have significantly helped her slow her descent, you know, right before she hit the ground. So, yeah, basically the idea is that for one or several reasons, there was able to she was able to get a lot of drag and thus slow down her speed on the way down and then probably hit a bunch of canopies and foliage and things, and which also slowed her down. So I, I'm not trying to to diminish any of this, but when you say drag, I'm just I know it's not the right place, but I'm just sitting there going, it's just the jump to the left. 
<laughs> I don't Wild think Rocky that kind Horror of reference out of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, that's basically the story. Uh, she has, you know, like I said, there's been documentary about her. She published a book. Um, she's, there was even a really low budget, not very good, overly fictionalized and dramatized Italian movie about her. Yeah. Good for her. Thanks. I'm glad she's okay. So we got two truths for superpowers so far. Uh, so it is Bruce Willis is unbreakable. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready to keep trucking? Let's do it. Yep. So the next topic we're going to be talking about is uh, my last one for the episode. Uh, but here's where we start getting a little bit wacky. We're going to be talking about meditative healing. Anybody want to jump in on what I mean by meditative healing? Um, I think of Teal Swan for some reason, and I hate myself. Uh, no, oh, we're not no. going to talk about Teal Swan right now. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, but something along the lines of like you have some trauma or something that you're 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 working through, and uh, through meditation, you're able to be. Cured, but it, it's kind of weird, right? Because my mind starts going through like to like prayer, and whether you um, believe in and pr- the power of prayer or higher beings or whatever it is, like I do think that for some people there is that inherent value of just like basically talking thing things out, whether it be with themselves or their deity or whatever it may be. That like there is some like resolution, some like personal healing to it. But I don't think this is like. I have cancer, so let me talk to whomever uh, or or meditate or whatever, and like this will cure my cancer type of thing. Uh, Greg, yeah, I mean it's it's just like almost something out of a anime where just people just focus their chi and you know or their key, you know, Dragon Ball Z, whatever you want to reference, and are able to like just heal themselves essentially yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and kind of go with that definition mainly of like what i mean by that it's somebody's able to focus all of their internal energy or such or with their mindfulness like through the power of the will they're able you to command mayhan destroy the moon yeah or you can cure your cancer uh, goku died of both. a fucking heart attack okay he's not that great at, like he a bean a senzu bean that's what i'm getting off track DBZ isn't even that good. All right. That's that's what's going to get people oh, wow. unsubscribing. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. wow. Uh-oh. Right. Wow. Anyway, uh, so from meditative healing, I mean, uh, the idea that you see all these uh, yogis or gurus or even sort of new age spiritualists here that can use meditative healing practices for things like anything from rheumatoid arthritis to cancer to even like a bump on your shoulder or something. It's anything. If you Put your mind to it, you can heal it. The power of meditation. I want to start off by giving a definition of meditation because there are many different forms of it, but I found from a meditative training website, uh, I'm not going to give out too many names for you know things that I haven't vetted too much, but at least they have some information of how it's interpreted by the side that is claiming some of these things. For the question of how do you define meditation? And this website says, good question. Meditation is indeed learning to work with the mind. The Cambridge Dictionary defines meditation as the act of giving your attention to only one thing, either as a religious activity or as a way of becoming calm and relaxed. 
or serious thought or study were the product of this activity. So meditation can involve focusing, relaxing, pondering, or the expression of these, as in the famed meditations of Marcus Aurelius, for example. So I would like to say that... Ryan, you have such a, like dry mocking voice you always do like whenever you do anything like this like any hippie woo woo shit you have this one particular mocking voice you use you know what i'm really fucking glad you said that greg because i was just gonna say (laughs) i've meditated before and i find it to be helpful i actually do like it but i wasn't being trying to be uh i wasn't trying to be sarcastic i was actually trying to meet out a definition because there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can Pose meditation. The way I like to think of it is, is just being able to clear your mind by thinking about one and one thing only. Back then when I was like 15 or 16, I tried it out. I was specifically, you focus on breathing. The The main idea was to have no true other thoughts in your mind. It's really hard to quote unquote, think about nothing while still awake. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, I think that that's kind yes. of the idea of just a, a hyper fixation on one thing or no thing in your brain in order to completely clear it out so either you can reset it and just be nothingness for a little bit or you can focus on one thing, like do a complete wipe of the brain so you can just focus on one particular thing. Meditation is my personal hell. <laughs> it's, yeah, and yes, I mean, I still have problems. I don't think I ever really got to true meditation because I, I, I have a hard time slowing down my brain, but hey, it helps a little bit. But there are also people that are preconditioned to not be able to slow down their brain too much. So, uh your mileage may vary as when it comes to actually healing people, you know, a lot of people would think that it's kind of silly that like, Oh, this mental thing would heal physical things. But unfortunately, a lot of people are in the camp of yes, that's totally how it works so much so that I'm going to read another passage where yes, Greg, I will have the sarcastic interpretation that you have um, (laughs) qualified me as doing. And this is a completely different website. And these are not my words. This is, a one of the first Google searches when you look up meditative healing. Dealing with illness through meditation. It is said that the root of an illness is the mind slash consciousness. So, by attending to the mind, clearing it of any disturbances, the recovery speeds up. Illness can develop from colon. Bullet point one. Violation of nature, such as overeating. Imposed by nature, such as common cold or an epidemic. Uh, This was written a while ago. I can tell. Oh, no. Or release of past impressions of karma. Okay, continuing. Nature itself provides a cure for these illnesses. Health and illness are a part of the physical nature. By practicing meditation, the stresses, worries, anxieties drop off and gives rise to a positive state of mind, which has a positive impact on the physical body, brain, and nervous system, then illnesses change. Health and illness are a part of physical nature. You should not worry much about it. When you worry about illness, you are giving more power to the illness. You are a combination of health and illness. When you keep that in mind and have a positive state of mind, the illnesses change. They can Heal the mind through meditation. Meditation prevents stresses from entering the body system and also releases accumulated stress, health, happiness, and a positive state of being well-self. 
The practice of meditation can bring a coolness to the brain in service to the whole body and mind complex. And also they talk about how it can heal cancer as well. I take umbrage with this stuff. So that's kind of the, uh, the set point that a lot of people are peddling, and I have a big fucking problem with this. However, I will still give a fair shake to it and see what a little bit more of scientific research says. So I sauntered on over to the um, American Cancer Society, actually. And I know this is a lot of me reading, but I think it's more important as me not having done the studies or having been uh, the person that is even subscribing to the meditative side of it. I wanted to give both sides and not be skewing it from my point of view. So the American Cancer Society actually has a kind of positive idea on this. And here's what they say. Meditation is considered a mind-body complementary or quote-unquote integrative therapy, and it may be used with standard or conventional treatment for some health conditions. Meditation is generally considered safe and uses concentration or reflection to relax the body and calm the mind. People may use meditation to help balance their emotions and just feel better overall. Here are some of the things studies have told us about the health benefits of meditation, according to the National Institute of Health, friend of the podcast. When used along with standard medical treatment, meditation may help lower blood pressure. Meditation-based programs may help reduce some menopause symptoms, including hot flashes, sleep and mood disturbances, stress, and muscle and joint pain. Some evidence shows meditation can help lessen anxiety, depression, and pain. For some cancer patients, meditation has been shown to help relieve anxiety, stress, fatigue, and improve sleep and mood when used along with standard medical treatment. Most importantly, even on verywellhealth.com, there is a caution here. Um, everybody, notice that I said that it is a complementary or integrative therapy not a treatment, and even Very Well Health agrees with this. In general, meditation is a very safe practice for people living with cancer. That said, some people may feel anxious and others may become disoriented as they meditate. It's important to know that this is for people who are using meditation as a complementary or integrative treatment along with, in italics, conventional cancer treatments, such as chemotherapy and more. The current- Is channeling my key- is that get uh, fucked, you know? Greg? Oh my god! Uh, at the current, I, I love you, buddy. Um, at the current <laughs> time, there is no evidence that meditation or any other therapy can treat cancer itself. And using these therapies at the to the exclusion of traditional treatments has been linked to a much higher risk of death for people with cancer. So I just want to ex be very explicit about that. They say that, yes, it's complementary where it can deal with like the stresses of going through chemotherapy because, yes, chemotherapy can fuck you up for a while, but ultimately a lot of people end up being in remission from it or getting rid of their cancer. But all the tasks along the way, I mean, think of the financial stress, especially if you live in America. Think of the mental stress, especially when having to deal with like yourself and having to cope with your family, having to see you go through the chemo. Meditation can kind of help you bring it back to a state of mind where you're not always worrying about it. And that kind of makes me want to bring it all to where I am being kind of pro-meditation as long as you're not doing it the Steve Jobs way to like avoid all the actual regular treatments. Um, I'm not trying to shame Steve Jobs. It's very unfortunate that like somebody like him actually went down in the fact that they died because they had bad advice. I mean, it shows that very smart people can fall victim to very dumb practices because of somebody trying to make a buck off of something and, you know, sell snake oil. 
I am going to be talking about a book that I read not more than two months ago called uh, The Beautiful Cure by Daniel M. Davis. It is a very interesting book. It's a little bit heavily scientific, but it's all about like how we have come to our modern day understanding of how the immune system works. And it is an amazing book. And it also is terrifying because, holy shit, we don't know a whole lot about the immune system. But what we do is very helpful. Josh, this is where you laid the railroad tracks for me to pull this into the station. You talked about the fight or flight response, right? Yes. You talked about the release of adrenaline or uh, what was the other thing you said? Um, Epinephrine. Epinephrine. Yeah. There's another thing that is involved with the fight or flight response, and it is called... Evanescence. <laughs> it brings you to life, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm muting Greg in the Discord Ooh. call for the rest of this, just so we can, you know... Josh, just wonderful yes and. Just, just brilliant. Chef yeah. kiss. You done patting yourself? You done? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what the fight or flight response also releases is something called cortisol. And this is literally the, oh my God, I just forgot that I had an exam today and I didn't study for it. Oh my God, I'm 50 minutes late to it. You know, that feeling that's sinking in your stomach or say that you've had a loss of a loved one learning that, that like rush right there. That is cortisol running through your veins along with adrenaline potentially. And this is the, you know, typical fight or flight response. And your body does a whole lot of things, as Josh said, when you are in that fight or flight response to stress. And some of those things is it shuts off any things that it doesn't consider absolutely necessary at the time. And one of those things is it kind of puts your immune system on hold. There's been a couple of studies over the years that have shown that when you have a high cortisol amount running through your body, something called cytokines stop working in your system, in your immune system specifically. Like your immune response just gets shut off. And cytokines are responsible for inflammation in your body. Inflammation is not necessarily a bad thing for you. A cytokine storm, as uh, evidenced in a COVID-like response from your body, is what is a problem. It's also known from rheumatoid arthritis and a couple of autoimmune disorders. It's when the, your body is fighting too much against your own response. So uh, rheumatoid arthritis is just an inflammation around your joints from those cytokines gathering and having a negative response to your own body and kind of freaking out and just going nutso. What they found out is that cortisol diminishes that. So inflammation can be good and bad at the same time. In most situations, when you have an over-response to something like, say, an infection and you are extremely inflamed on the arm spot you put something on you called hydrocortisone or yeah, cortisone ointment. They found out that by making an analog of cortisol, you can actually reduce inflammation. However, yeah. However, in a pretty much typically working immune system, you generally want your immune system working at all times. You don't want to be dampening any response. You want a little bit of inflammation to actually tend to any sort of invasive pathogens inside of your body. So by that logic, we're going to go with this little um, train of thought right here. If you're stressed, you have higher cortisol response. If you have higher cortisol response, your cytokines in your immune system stop working as well. If your immune system isn't working as well, you can be much more prone to infection. So, that being said, 
meditation is meant to reduce stress. So it's been shown that meditation can reduce cortisol response in your actual brain and potentially boost your immune system or at least make it better than it would be when you're stressed. So I will say that in terms of a healing factor for this, it will not cure cancer by any means of the word, but there is a good chance that you can have a much healthier immune system from doing daily meditation or any other sorts of ways that can reduce stress. Uh, I'm not saying like, you know, do Xanax or anything like that if you're not prescribed it or don't go on an alcohol binge just because you had a long day at work. But stress reduction through meditation is safe for the most part, and it can have a better immune response for you. You can help fight any common everyday colds or pathogens much better if you meditate a little bit. And that sounds very wooey, but it is meted out in science. I have three different actual studies listed in the show notes showing the uh, correlation between cortisol and your immune response. So oddly enough, coming from me, I would say meditation is actually a good thing for um, meditative healing in a certain way. It's not exactly you can like boost your immune response, but at least you can keep it normative. So that's me. I know it sounds weird coming from me on that one, but yeah, that that's my answer. Huh, Greg? You think I'm too wooey now? <laughs> no, I just really want to hear. I, I'm just hearing in my head on repeat. Sexual healing. Hey, yeah, you know, you know what? Fuck the infection away. That's how we do it. So that's that's it. <laughs> Um, that's me. Honestly, guys, I suggest to anybody listening, the beautiful cure It's on audible. It's great. It has a whole bunch of stories of how we became, uh, to understand our immune system as it is now. It's actually very, very, very interesting. Hey y'all. I gotta get rolling. Really sorry. Gotta go help out with the kiddo. Love you all. Please stick around for season 10 and thank y'all so much for listening to the show. We love y'all and it's not the end of the show. So enjoy this last subject. All right, Josh, now that Greg has so fucking rudely left the show because he didn't want to hear your topic, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, what you got? I'm here to listen. The, I, the hey rest man. of the audience is here to listen. I appreciate that. I'm glad somebody's, you know, I, I don't have to rely on Greg for these things. So I, I will, I will kind of run through this really quickly because the last subject I'll be talking about for this episode will be uh, telekinesis. And I, I'm sure most of you listening know what telekinesis is and the most obvious example to me that makes it pretty simple to explain is the the matrix so there's the scene with the little kid bending the spoon with with uh his or her mind i don't remember uh particularly wait boy, hold up girl. no i've seen that scene there was no spoon what are you talking about well so okay i'm not trying to spoil it for people but <laughs> it, um if you if okay if none of what we just said makes sense Please go watch the first Matrix. The second and third one, I'll leap to your own interpretation if it's good or not. But the first one was revolutionary. It was amazing. It was wonderful. And it's probably, what, I think it's over 20 years old now. But it was incredible. It was it was groundbreaking at the time. Anyway, so the best way uh, besides the Matrix of describing what telekinesis is, uh, is, is, is a, or a real world example, is um, James Heydrich. And I'm sure Ryan knows all about what I'm, what I'm going to say because it's referencing somebody that we've talked previously. Um, but James Heydrich tried to demonstrate uh, his telekinesis powers on uh, a live television show called That's My Line in 1981. He also he- has the dumbest fucking bowl cut on earth. Oh my God. Did you see the video? Yes, I did. It was absolutely oh, terrible. Oh, the mustache too. Yeah, sorry. Um, anyway, continue. 
I mean, it was 30 years ago. I'll kind of give him a pass, but it it, it doesn't hold up. I'll, I'll no, look at anyone in the audience and tell me they had that haircut. That's actually fair. It was a terrible life choice. Terrible. It was one of his many bad, bad decisions that he made uh, in his life, and he was going to pay for it. So not the haircut, the telekinesis. So he claimed... <laughs> To, to move to be able to move small objects such as a pencil or pages of a telephone book with his mind. Now, the host of That's My Line in 1981 was none other than Bob Barker, uh, the, the former host of The Price is Right, or, or uh, well known from his uh, wonderful role in Happy Gilmore. But Bob Barker consulted with skeptic James Randi, and Randi suspected that Heydrich was merely discreetly blowing on the pages to make them move. So, to prevent this method of trickery, Randi placed styrofoam bits around the open book, and the lightweight pieces would clearly be disturbed if the pages were moving because of Heydrich's breath instead of his mind. And after many, many awkward, or or I say glorious minutes, in front of Bob Barker, Randy, a panel of judges, and a live studio audience, uh, James Heydrich was flustered and finally said that his powers weren't cooperating. How convenient. And Heydrich later admitted that his psychokinetic powers had been faked and he marveled at how easy it had been to fool the public. The last bit of that statement has never rang so much more true than it does right now, in my opinion. But yes, he came out and said that he was a fraud, that none of that was true, and he couldn't believe that people took the bait. So You know what? At least he admitted it, okay? I He's a piece of shit, um, but at least he admitted it. Unlike some others. I, I agree. We're going in the same direction here, bud. So simply put, telekinesis is the ability to move an object in some way, shape, or form without any physical interaction. So turning the pages of a telephone book like Heydrich claimed to be. Now, this ability, in air quotes, is something that has also been around long before audio books or video or the internet or probably even books themselves had been around. People in history have have claimed to have some sort of psychic ability of some fashion, and it's all been bullshittery. I can dispel (laughs) telekinesis with one sentence, uh, which I will do now, but I, I... it's also why I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this topic because it's very easy, easily disproved. But also, um, I don't want to spend time. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's proving a negative. Well, if telekinesis is real, prove that it's not not true. We'll get out of here with that. So the most glaring problem with telekinesis being um, that both psychokinesis, telekinesis, whatever you want to call it, violate several well-established laws of physics, including the inverse square theory, which has to do with um, how powerful a light is according to uh, how close it is to the source. So if you turn a flashlight on and you pick a point at random inside the beam of that flashlight, basically as you get farther away it becomes less powerful and there's a whole mathematical mathematical formula as to the power at one point and relative to the point of another it's i could spend a while explaining it to the best of my ability and that's probably not even completely correct but um just trust me it's well established uh so uh it it the inverse square theory, the second law of thermodynamics, which, which we have covered many, many, many times, and the conservation of momentum. So 
it completely goes against everything about that and a lot of what the foundation of science is. So that's why it, it's just not true. And I could be here all day, night, week, weekend, month, whatever, debunking different instances of this. But I will gladly just shift a little bit of focus on one particular sack of shit, Yuri Geller. Ryan, would you like to to have a little preamble about Yuri Geller before we start chomping away at him? Yuri Geller is the man that is probably the most famous uh, psychic, quote unquote. Uh, he did a couple of things back in the day where he would have these mass spoon bending ceremonies, like even through the TV, he would try to bend spoons with his mind. And it actually looks very cool. Uh, the way he does it, but he has a spoon and it starts bending and bending and bending and bending. And like, if you yell out enough and he would en- encourage audience participation of like getting spoons to bend with their minds to the TV and stuff. Uh, he would have the whole, like being able to move a uh, like little piece of paper inside of a glass um, enclosure to make things work certain ways. Uh, he was a very good quote unquote psychic. But unfortunately, he was once again under the radar of James Randi. And I think that's where you're headed with this. But uh, he's still doing stuff today. He calls himself more of a mentalist now than a psychic, but he has never completely retracted his claims of being telekinetic. He kind of does. Kind of. But it's about as much as you're going to get from him. So, but yes, Ryan, you are 1000% correct in all of this. So Geller was a, or is a, excuse me, self-proclaimed psychic, illusionist, magician, whatever you want to call it, bullshittery, who was always out for a good hustle to impress people into believing he was something that he wasn't. Um, I wouldn't say he was necessarily a grifter uh, in the sense that he was never like, I mean, at least to my knowledge, uh, like he was never like selling things and like making money off of it, but he was always, he was making a lot of money. He was a self-proclaimed millionaire many times over, uh, according to him. And I mean, he appeared on all kinds of TV shows all over the world doing, you know, live, live audience interaction and whether it would be like spoon, spoon bending or some other illusion or whatever. But Geller made, made his rounds many, many, many times. Um, and he still is around today. I think he, he's in his early 70s, I believe, like 72. Yeah. And he's still kicking. Yeah, he uh, he gained notoriety for demonstrating on television what he claimed to be like a psychokinesis and telepathy 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 whatever you want to say uh his performance included spoon bending uh describing hidden drawings making watches stop or run faster his claim was that he performs these feats through willpower and the strength of his mind so in 1975 geller published his first autobiography my story and acknowledged that early in his career, and this is what I was referencing before, Ryan, but he acknowledged early in his career that his manager talked him into adding a magic trick to make his performances last longer. And the trick involved Geller appearing to guess audience members' car registration numbers when his manager had given them to him ahead of time. Uh, and then bring in our buddy James Randi. Uh, he accused Geller repeatedly of trying to pass off magic tricks as paranormal displays. And Randy wrote the book, The Truth About Yuri Geller, challenging Geller's, cl- challenging Geller's claims and often duplicating Geller's performances using stage magic techniques, which that to me is the best 
form of well actually or um actually from James Randi is that Geller would perform something and James Randi would come right behind him and be like, yep, this is how he did it. Uh, this is completely not true. He's not an illusionist. He's not doesn't have um, telepathic powers. He can't use his mind to bend a spoon. This is what he's doing, and it's oh, no, He's an illusionist, all right. He just doesn't admit to be an illusionist. He's been to be something completely different. Yes, that's the thing. It's just like uh, that's the unfortunate part. Is like you have two options. Either you can do some really cool tricks to entertain people, and maybe like get uh, if you're lucky, like if you like Siegfried and Roy or. Um, Banachek or even, you know, James Randi. That's a very low chance of you getting famous for being able to do some cool sleight of hand. Or you could go the other route and just get some rubes that believe that you're a psychic and get a much more giant audience. That's a dilemma right there, right? <laughs> no, I agree. And, you know, somebody I got to give a lot of credit to is uh, David Blaine, actually. He, he has these, like, really magnificent, like, feats or like illusions or tricks or whatever whatever you want to call it like he does them and he does them like really impressively like he he they're really well thought out and like there obviously is some sort of something going on in the background but he doesn't claim to be something that he's not he's like i'm a magician and like the heart of it is i'm an entertainer so like yeah same for chris angel yeah exactly like i i appreciate like he's like yeah you know there's other things that you don't see going on behind the scenes, but like, I'm not claiming to be something that I'm not like, I'm here to have fun and entertain people, you know? And that's, that's what I really, really like about him. But what I'm getting to is either you have the option of being honest and only doing birthday parties or lying and getting a giant, like hundred thousand plus Facebook following. And then some people are watching your, you know, motivational videos about the power of the mind. Yeah, that's an unfortunate uh, divergent of paths right there. You would think one would be better than the other, but unfortunately, the the more wholesome one doesn't pay like the other with the grifting and the lies and bullshit. Yeah. But so as you can tell, this will be, you know, it could, it's a running theme throughout all of Geller's life. He will make some claim to be to have uh, to be able to do some psychic ability and um, or whatever. And James Randi swoops in and rains on his parade. And I'm just going to mention a couple of them and I, I won't keep you guys too long. But in late 2006, early 2007, Geller made um, a compass move uh, as well as a result of his paranormal uh, as a result as uh, of his paranormal abilities. Critics uh, say that slow motion footage of the episode showed Geller attaching a magnet to his thumb prior to the compass's movement. Geller denied that this was sleight of hand and said he welcomed the quote mystical aura that the publicity gave him. And he actually performed the same compass trick in 2000 on ABC's The View, which a week later, James Randi came on and did the same thing in front of a live audience the following week to show them how completely wrong and full of shit that Geller was. The View is kind of like the boomer mom's Joe Rogan. I mean, they will let anybody on there and just spout things out. Usually it's it's fun. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. And um, but you know what? The other thing is like that's prime television. People watch The View all the time. And the fact that they they brought him on there and let him do all this. And then James Randi's like, um, actually, this is how he did it. And uh, they allowed him to disprove it. It's it's wonderful. Um, but all of um, Geller's claims that he's ever made uh, that were worth any salt were put through some sort of scientific testing 
and they never held held water. They they all failed by the wayside. And he was he's never been somebody that's been able to pull off these magnificent tricks or um or or possess these wonderful abilities without something going on like guessing people's numbers for their car registration and you know there was somebody in the background feeding him uh what what the numbers were from from outside or something you know geller is 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 full of shit basically um his his uh telekinesis ability has never really been proven um he's it's just been some claim he's done something and then it is you know that's it i have this wonderful mindful power uh where i can do these things with my mind and it's never able to be replicated uh at least in a different setting under you know spur of the moment or anything like that people have tested it all kinds of which ways and have been able to prove that he had some other illusion or some other extraneous force going on from the outside or whatever you know so instead of spending time proving um you know or going through all these stories about geller just how wrong he is just know that there's no ability in this world where you can move objects or bend them as you see fit with your mind physics doesn't allow it science doesn't allow it and there's no proof that is doable without some sort of trick involved um one last thing i'd like to add to that is that uh well two i guess is one uh the funny part is it's like i actually think that james hydrick is almost technically a better uh illusionist than geller because what really sent Geller down the spiral is any time that he had to operate in conditions that he didn't specifically set up, like if it wasn't his own spoons or keys that he brought to the uh, presentation right. or something yes. like that, things would fall apart. Yes. Hydric would just be like, get me a phone book. I'll show you something cool. Or like, get me X or Y. Um, it's when he, it's when other elements were added to that is when he fell apart, but ultimately mm-hmm. he could make it seem more organic. Geller came with like a whole like carrot tops worth box of props pretty much to make everything work perfectly for him. Um, but ultimately what I kind of want to like hammer in on this is that don't think that like, just cause anybody falls for some of this stuff that you're necessarily dumb. Geller had physicists hook, line and sinker. On some of these situations, so much so that um, something that I haven't mentioned before, I think on this podcast, but Tom DeLaw's uh, To the Stars uh, uh, Foundation or whatever, the ones that think they had some alien metal that like, as uh, he said to Joe Rogan, admits, uh, what do you say, uh, terahertz and didn't say terahertz of what? And even Joe Rogan wasn't like um, falling for that shit. Mm-hmm. The main people that he has on his board that are running the foundation are the people that confirmed Yuri Geller's um psychic abilities through a study and then later got extremely embarrassed by randy and everybody else that happened to have like read an impromptu tricks at home book and um like i said everybody specializes in some things some people aren't primed to really be able to pick up on this stuff like of course you're not going to pick up anything weird like on an x-ray spec like any sort of analysis like that like any complicated equipment if all geller is doing is pre-bending a spoon a little bit and not letting you look at it um, it's just, everybody can be hoodwinked. It's just, uh, you got to know what you're looking for. So it's, it's not like to anybody that falls for that stuff that well, I ever have a problem with. It's the people that are trying to lie to the other people and make them fall for that stuff. You know, I, I no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you got to think, um, there was a panel commissioned in 1988 by the United States National Research Council to study paranormal claims that concluded, uh, like, despite a 130-year record of, like, scientific research on all these matters, the committee could find no scientific justification for the existence of such phenomena. 
um, or anything like that, like Mind Over Matter or anything like that. Uh, and then in, also in 1984, the United States National Academy of Sciences, at the request of the U.S. Army Research Institute, formed a panel to to assess the evidence for psychokinesis. And that was to see if like there was a military application for psychokinesis or remotely jam or disrupt an enemy weapon. You know, like they were trying to weaponize this, which I mean, you got to think that's pretty much the natural the, the natural chain of events, how these things go. Something new oh, and crazy happens. Happens and the, and the military wants to get involved, but they, yeah, the, they, uh, the the men who stare at goats was I think based on one of those studies. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was it, um, I forget. I forget. I remember watching the movie, but I don't remember enough about it to talk about it. But yes, it was. But there was a, the the conclusion of that uh, the 1984. Um, uh, re, uh, job by the U- u.s national army of sciences they they published a report in 1987 that there was no scientific evidence for the ex- for the existence of psychokinesis right uh carl sagan um included telekinesis on his offerings of pseudoscience and superstition right so like there's a history of people like our own government being like hey let's check into it like let's see what it's about but there's nothing that's able to replicate or prove that any of this is is real um, it's kind of like uh, I like that show uh, a lot. I watch it at work sometimes. Um, the 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 fool me show with Penn and Teller, like they bring in all these yeah. different magicians and see if they can fool them, and that's really fun. Like at no point do they ever try to show that like what these people are doing is real. All it is is like they try to figure out like if they know how the trick was done, and then they go and do a trick themselves at the end. Like it's just a fun time. Magic is supposed to be fun. Illusions are supposed to be fun. It's not meant to be like to prove that you're so some superhuman or have some superpower or anything like that that just that's not what it's meant for it's meant for entertainment which is kind of wrapping around to what i said about like david blaine or whatever well if you think about it like i think the more fun part of it is like you know um the the mantra of like a magician is like the idea of an honest liar is like i'm going to fool you and i'm telling you this I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to fool you, though. And half the fun of magic is like if you know it's like a magician of some sort or an illusionist, whatever you want to call it, not a psychic. um, It's really fun to kind of try to like think about and like speculate how they did it and stuff, especially since you know that there's a way that you could do it as opposed to being some exceptional psychic being or something like that. That just ruins the fun of it. It's just like, well, fuck me. I can't do that. Um, But they'll try to sell me a method to... convince me i can do that you know mm-hmm. um so it's i think by the idea of like the pastime it's f- more fun to like figure out how a magician did something knowing that it follows the laws of physics absolutely i'm with you so that's you no that's, no telekinesis no no telekinesis it is false so we'll we'll go through real quick so magnetic people is that a real thing ryan absolutely fucking not uh Mama hulking, as we so affectionately called it. Yes, that is absolutely true. Then we went, the child fell from an airplane and survived with Greg. That was was true, um, which is really interesting. I'd like to do more research on that. Uh, meditative healing. That one needs a caveat to it. It is, um, there are ways that it can help you heal better, but not. it is not a treatment or a cure for literally any disease, okay? We'll, we'll go with that. It is okay. a therapy at best. Um, like I said, uh, it's complimentary. And telekinesis, that is just 100% in the bullshit false category. Lovely. Love to hear it. Yes. You love to see so, it. So I guess that being said, listener, thank you for listening to the first episode of season 10. 
Uh, you can find us at a couple of different places. If you just put rumor flies in Google now, I'm pretty sure we will be the first thing to pop up. Uh, and also, uh, we're on you know Spotify, uh, any of the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, whichever ones you want, we're there. Uh, we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash rumorflies. And also, don't forget to check out the Educated Mess Network, where you can hear us, obviously. You can hear the side characters, our dear friends Jordan and Leah, who we'll probably be doing a little bit more content with soon. They are awesome people, and they have very good insights um, from a different perspective that, honestly, none of us here at Rumor Flies can provide. And also, uh, check out Everything But Murder if you want some true crime where you don't feel guilty about the victims that might still be alive. And also, there might be another podcast coming out along with it, but I don't want to say that just yet because I don't want to be a liar. Anyway, um... (laughs) Josh, you got anything else? Uh, Join the Discord if you haven't. uh, That's always been a fun time. If you would like to, if you're interested in in the Educated Mess Network, um, or you know somebody that might be, or you have an idea for something, whether it be a show for us to do, a topic, or or an idea for for, um, everything but murder, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter. That's usually the most interactive that we are. Ryan is always causing problems over there. Um, <laughs> so if you don't follow the Twitter feed, you absolutely should. Cause it's a good time. Yeah. Uh, and also I think I set this up front in a pre-roll, but just letting you know, our Patreon is active again now, just letting everybody know we will give you much more forewarning than just this episode before we do the first charge for one of the bonus episodes. We're still going to be doing the once monthly, uh, bonus and then we're also going to be doing the land yaps after every episode yeah but 10 to 15 minutes of extra content that uh we just couldn't fit into the main episode and inevitably Um, runs over 10 to 15 minutes (laughs) yeah most of the time and then we'll have like pretty much a full length uh regular season um patreon episode that's going to be on there which is let's just get a little bit more fast and loose with our topics uh thank you everybody we love you we hope you've been all right um get vaccinated all right yes sir And if you already have, we're proud of you. Thank you. So uh, for this episode of Rumor Flies, I'm Ryan. I am Josh. And Greg's not here. Surprise, surprise. Bye. (laughs) Bye. This podcast is a member of the Educated Mess Network.